Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the DMOB Sports Podcast. This is Colin, and as always, I'll be joined over the phone by my co-hosts Dion and Trey, and today we'll be talking about um, something that most of America has probably been watching for the past about month and a half or so, the Jordan docuseries, The Last Dance. We're going to kind of go and discuss things that jumped out to us about Jordan and uh, things that might have surprised us um, that were included in this documentary. Um, There are some bits and pieces that have never been included in uh, some of the Jordan docs that have come out in the past, so uh, there's a lot of new things to talk about with this one. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. Anything uh, happening with you guys? Anything new happen? Uh. Not really. Um, I've just been chilling, going on some hikes, uh, rewatching the Avatar it's on Netflix. I'm almost okay. done. I think it's been like it's been like two days, and I'm almost done with it. <laughs> I love that show so much, man. Yeah, you got my box here. Yeah, true. <laughs> been watching it for a minute. Now I just uh. Went fishing a few times and still ain't caught nothing, so <laughs> got that going. But other than that, really just been working on things around the house still, um, painting and stuff like that. So just trying to stay busy. Patience is a virtue, so you gotta be patient when you fish. Oh, I ain't in no rush when I go fish. It's a nice little escape for a little while. <laughs> yeah, like soccer. Once you get a fish, you you get you'll get enough of them. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll raining in. The first yeah. one, how about you Colin? how you doing um i'm doing doing all right uh me and you dion we went out on a hike uh last week and we're planning on going on one this week it's been really good to get out of the house actually um i mean i wasn't really much of an outdoorsy person before this but i definitely see myself going on a lot more hikes and stuff like that it's really relaxing to just get out of the house and enjoy nature especially with the weather being so good and uh you know just being around friends and stuff uh while you know we're practicing social distancing and hygiene and all that good stuff i'd say even um we even did uh little fi and even it was was, uh i'd say it it was pretty busy but even with it being pretty busy i don't feel like we came into contact with like are really close to anybody so that was it was still nice to be able to get out there and still like keep distance away from people yeah especially with hikes like that it's um it's a lot it, the hike is narrow so people a lot of the times anyway will get out of the way for incoming uh hikers or whatever so it's not like uh it's cramped and narrow and people are trying to uh breathe all over each other to get side by side or whatever so <laughs> And if you haven't done little, don't be, don't be fooled by its, uh, its length. It's, it's a little shorter, but it's, it's pretty steep. And, yeah, f- and I will say moderate, the label moderate, that's not moderate. As, uh, as our friend Chase says, moderate is for people who already like go on hikes. This is moderate for hikers, not moderate for the average Joe. So that means it's hard as fuck. 
Well, I guess another thing I've been doing is uh, I've been going on runs daily. Um, I got my Apple Watch, and I've just been a part of the Nike Run Club. And I've just been going a little further and further every day, running with my dogs. I'll, I'll run with um, Elijah, uh, getting ready for his sports and stuff. And it's been great because you'll you'll see other runners every once in a while, and every time it gives away, it's like a, a fist. and Well, not, not a fist bump, but just like a, a fist up. And... But you keep it pushing. But, I mean, time-wise, energy-wise, it, it helps a lot with just clearing your mind. And I've never been much of a distance runner ever in my life. But for whatever reason, I was like, man, let me just go out here and run. Cause I'm still trying to keep dunking off rules. I was like, get up out of this. But I just want to stay in shape. And then I ran the steps at uh, stadium, actually, yesterday uh, with the homie Aaron. So just yeah, trying to get in, working. What's up? I I I seen I seen that on your Instagram. Who who won the race? Did you? Nah, he, he got me. Uh, that was my first time doing anything in a minute. Um, he's still fairly in tune. I mean, he, he played football for the Ducks, so he's a he's a beast, man. He um he's very athletic, and it's always fun to be able to work out with people that are just as competitive as me. So. Uh, it was cool to like not feel like you have to teach anybody or not feel like you're being taught anything. You gotta just both get to it, get at it, and put the work in, and you see the results like right away. So it was cool to have that. But he got me at the end. I started like swinging my arms back weird and slowed myself down. I was gonna say it, it seemed like you kept it pretty close to the uh, to the last like quarter or last third. Yeah, no, but he, he's annoying. He, I mean, he writes everything so. It was good to just even be out there, but I'm on it now. So, <laughs> you know, listening, um, workouts and stuff. If you have any workouts, shoot me something and I'll give it a shot. But I eat pretty healthy. I live a generally healthy life, as you guys know, just overall. So, um, if I just got back into like a training mindset type thing again, uh, I feel like I could be in a good position. Yeah. I think I want to get uh, good running shoes because, I mean, you know, I used to, I was never like a full, like on like marathon runner, but uh, once I get into the shape, um, I can be a distance runner easily. I, I enjoy yeah, it. Oh, sorry. Uh, I enjoy it. Like, I, I, I think it was, it was about two and a half to three miles was my, um, <clears throat> my mental breaking point. So once I get to that point, it 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 just became gliding. It just became a secondary thought, and you're just moving, and you can actually think about other things besides how actually tired you are. That was for me. Yeah, and I like the Nike Run Club app because it keeps track of literally everything: distance, how far your friends are running, how many miles you ran in a month, how many steps you were taking in a mile, blah blah blah. It's just cool to look at the stats just to compare yourself to yourself before. Uh, just for the extra money. So, I think good. Ben has that on his, or for, his, for him. Um, you should add, I don't know if you can add him on that, but um, Hannah was saying that he's like 60 miles this this month. You said Cam? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got you in the text. Yeah, he's been, uh, he's been on working out like crazy. That's yeah, I got to get back to that. Let's, let's talk about this Jordan 
man, it's, it's, it's very enlightening. Just, um, I know the Jordan, uh, story and I've, I've watched things and I've watched highlights. Unfortunately, when I was younger, I didn't watch it growing up. So I don't have the like same nostalgia as everybody, but like really watching it, I, I, I do have an appreciation for Jordan. Uh, and I've, I've grown, I mean, there, I have so many mixed feelings, um, but like jumping into his, uh, his college years, man, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize like how much of a talent he was in college. I think, um, not knowing that part, uh, I didn't realize coming out of, coming out of college, he was, he was a really good player, man. I didn't think that. Cause like, you always hear like him in high school, he wasn't a starter and then like he started to develop into his own and grow. And then I guess I just really knew the Bulls, Jordan, and after. I didn't realize that North Carolina, how good he was. Yeah, man. Jordan was, he was a like phenom in college. I would say he was the first kind of like, well, I wouldn't say first cause there were guys like, you know, Bill Russell and, or not Bill Russell, uh, uh, Oscar Robertson. Why the hell did I say Bill Russell? Uh, Oscar Robertson, uh, when they were in college and stuff, but, uh, MJ in college, he was really like that first kind of dominant guard. Cause you always saw the game go through the big man in the old days. And that's why, uh, yeah. coming out of the draft, he got drafted behind Hakeem and Sam Bowie. Like, you, you know, guys thought that uh, franchise players were going to be the four of the five. And especially uh, leading into his rookie year and uh, his the second year he was in the league, like, people were saying, well, you know, MJ's good, he's this and that, but how much can a guard really do because the Bulls don't have this franchise cornerstone at center and um, I think MJ really began to shift the narrative of the league um, after Larry and Magic were doing it into more of a perimeter-oriented uh, guard-forward kind of league versus, uh, you know, the dominant force in the middle a la Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell and all them dudes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's so funny to like rewatch like just like how 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 different life was back then and like how different like the league was and just from like clothing to everything man like him coming into the Bulls and that first year with the Bulls and just how that team was team culture was <laughs> that was funny man I I I didn't realize like how and like invested in drugs and partying people were i mean i knew like like the 80s were but i didn't realize like like even professional sports was like that too and man that was that was just the name of the game just overall uh, i feel like because you even hear stories like from even like from work or just general life you talk to older heads just who came up during that time and it seems like literally every one of them has some type of story <laughs> like that, where, you know, back in the day, that's just kind of what partiers did. Just overall, if you were a part of that scene, then more often than not, you were a part of it. So, I don't know, but I want to go back real quick to uh, what you were saying about um, what great of a talent MJ was, because that, that's why I always say, I'm more of an eye test kind of guy, just because the generation back then was different. It was more of 
whoever was good in your neighborhood ended up going to be the best. Whereas nowadays, everything is such a farm system and business that anybody can be a hooper if they're put into the right system and find that work ethic type of thing. But back then, it was really just neighborhood balls. Word got around, like, no, yo, this dude is that dude, and he would always be able to prove it, and it wasn't about did he get the notoriety, the notoriety, did he get marketed, did he get put in front of the right people kind of thing. It was just, you know, you're a hooper, you're a hooper, and you were praised for it, and they put all the hoopers on the court. And I'm talking about from, like, MJ Magic and them all the way up to, like, uh, late, I mean, early to late 2000s like 2010-ish, and then it got really AAU-ish after that, but um, I appreciate that era for what it was. It was just pure basketball. Nothing, nothing else to it. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like, yeah, in, the, in that sense, yeah, but, like, if you're looking at as far as, like, farm, farm systems and stuff, it's like those, those things are are here for a good reason. It's just because the population has grown so much and there's so many different um, teams and routes and organizations that you can go through to put your kid into a winning position that even even with that being said, like your your ballers and your hoopers, your, your star athletes, they're going to shine no matter what, even to this day. It's just a way to develop those skills earlier and and put them on the right track to be the best uh, product <clears throat> at the end of their high school career. And that's, it's like the same thing with um, soccer in, in Europe and all across the world. They have these farming systems that they have, they have developed over the years, and the U.S. is so late on catching that. That's why we're so behind in the soccer world, too. So oh, yeah. I, what you're saying as far as, like, um, people are just hoop out there hooping, and be on the eye test, but uh, I, I don't think that should take away from like the farming system because it's it's a great development for kids. I mean, you know, you you got Elijah, and Elijah went down to um, to basketball camp and he was chopping. So I mean, like it, it, it's a great tool for kids to develop and put their best foot forward as far as their finished product in their game. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not talking down on the new age. I'm just appreciating that old age because we'll, we'll never see something like that again. At least not for basketball or even for football-wise. Um, in that sense, Unless, until a new sport comes about and randoms are just giving it a try and then it grows higher. But like back then, it really was just for the love of the game. Not to say that these kids nowadays don't love the game, but it. It's all more business now than anything. It was one thing to just sign your kid up, get him out there. Because even, like, back then, high school teams typically had two really good players on their team, and the rest were just other students in the school that could also kind of hoop. But nowadays, literally all 12 dudes on the roster are hoopers, and it's just a matter of who's really the best out of the 12 of them. Uh, It's just a different. It's just so much more flooded nowadays because of the possibilities and avenues you can go. Versus back then, it was just like, oh, let me sign my kid up for hoop and <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, that's true. Until you get someone that's a freak athlete, like uh, those those big old tight ends that that go from being basketball players to like their first year is their junior year playing football and they just explode. 
crazy. Hey, Jimmy Graham is forever the one dude who did that the best. Just saying. The guy fucking killed it at the U as a power forward and then seamlessly made the switch from power forward to tight end. Yeah, man, it's amazing when people can successfully do that um, and carry on with that second decision for as long as they do. And I think, yeah, Jimmy Graham is one of the better ones at doing that. Uh, but, yeah, to get back to Michael Jordan, um, and, yeah, they said the cocaine 80s. <laughs> That's, uh, it, it's funny to hear that because the part of the doc and he's like, yeah, man, you know, I knock on the door and they're like, oh, it's just work. And then he's like, oh, they're all in here doing all this extra. And but that's not me. I'm back to the I'm back to the hotel. I'm trying to get better. And you just think to yourself like, man, this dude's lying. <laughs> you know he's lying. But at the same time, you just want to take him for his word because he is who he is and he did what he did. Um, maybe it all just caught up to him later on as far as drinking and smoking cigars all the time. But it is ridiculous I, I how many cigars he smoked throughout the entirety of the 10-episode ten, ten series. Like, I did not count, but yeah. I'm guessing it was at least 45 times on camera. <laughs> that man, Michael Jordan, got like, what's that called? John, John Dish or something like that? They got them yellow-ass eyes. <laughs> like Michael Patrick. By the way, I didn't know until I think Dion told me that he was drinking Jordan tequila. I thought that was cognac the whole time in his little glass while he was sitting doing the little interviews, talking about stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, sipping on some yak. But no, I guess he's uh, sipping on his expensive ass Jordan brand tequila. Yeah. This man has uh, a, I don't know, if you look at his, his, his revenue, he, he has a little, his fingers in a little bit of everything. Everything, yeah. Um, but, oh, back to those, uh, going back to the, uh, that scene where he, he walks up to that, to that room and he, I, I honestly fully believe that, you know, he did just turn around. Because, uh, I mean, you look at that team and you look at what they're doing, they weren't doing anything on the court, off the court. And, and you, you guys think about like his drive, his, his he he had that Mamba mentality. He was the originator of that, and um, he, his competitive spirit drove him not to do anything, not to mess up like that, because he wanted to win. And it showed in everything he did in his career. I mean, even that the not so good aspects of if you how I look at him, just because like. I know that he wants to win, and I get like this too. When we're on the court, I get pissed off. And when he gets at his his teammates and stuff, like I feel it. I, I get the same way. But like, I think he was just next level asshole when it came to it. But I, I believe him when he like he didn't do. I don't think he did any of that. It is funny to see like some of his um, old teammates and stuff get upset. I've seen like an article of his, one of his teammates getting upset because nowadays like they have to answer to their their kids about like what they did during those days and what I'm just like, you know, you should have done it. <laughs> if that was the case, you should have done it. If you, if you don't, if you did back in the eighties and they're just not finding out, man, I mean, that all, it, everything you do in the dark is going to come to light. Yeah. There's no, there's no, 
it's hard for people back then. I mean, just the way technology has boomed over the years, uh, that's just how people lived back then is that people really lived carefree lives. They lived their lives according to what they wanted to do. No repercussions coming after the figure once they did it, it was done. Kind of what people speak about Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of thing. But the minute technology hit, and uh, I'm not even talking about nowadays, I'm talking about back then, because technology's been around for a fat minute. Uh, they just didn't really understand the ramifications that came with it, and now they got to deal with it just because, I mean, that's that's modern-day life now. So, I yeah, mean, you dig up fossils of time, <laughs> and this just happens to be one of them. Yeah, that's one thing they didn't really, like, uh, gloss over too much uh, in this doc, which I'm kind of glad it didn't they didn't do because it probably would have taken like an episode of in and of itself just to like flush out and get over and finish with but um the whole 80s nba like how drugged up it was uh mj bird uh and magic and david stern too were instrumental players in turning that around and making basketball such a global like global thing whereas like it wasn't even a very popular thing in the u.s at the time uh if you think about that span of where jordan got drafted in like what 84 to by the time he was on the dream team basketball went from being like a secondary sport or not even secondary like a third sport third or fourth sport in your city some some cities even, you know, their the revenue and turnout for soccer games was better than uh, basketball. And I, and I think yeah. they even said that in the documentary, like, people were going to watch an indoor soccer team rather than uh, watch the Bulls before Jordan got drafted. But it went from that to being, you know, having Jordan be recognized on a global scale by the time um, the Dream Team was formed in the 91-92 season, I believe. And... Um, that is, uh, you know, probably one of the biggest things I don't think people talk about too much uh, f- when it comes to MJ. And it's not like it's the biggest thing that, you know, he's going to be known for. But it, it's something that really changed the trajectory of the league. Because obviously, you know, we're not where we are today with the NBA without MJ and kind of how he changed the game on that regard. Yeah. Yo, that is so insane to me, dog. It's like, <laughs> if you would have told me that, or if you would have bet me and said in the 80s that an indoor soccer team was selling more tickets to the Bulls, I would have probably put whole life, life uh, earnings on it, man. Everything I had, <laughs> I'd probably put it on that bet. Uh, also, man, if you, like, the upkeep of arenas and basketball court, yo, that blew my mind. When I seen the garden, or like how they showed the garden floor, how beat it up it was, it was like, that was crazy to me. These dudes were basically playing on like a sanded hardwood floor. That downstairs space jam court before Taz touched it up. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. in the... Um... One of the Celtics, like the 80s Celtics teams documentaries, they talk about how when they played in the garden, there were like sunken in spots 
all over the court. So when you played in the garden, it was such a home field advantage because those guys knew where the spots were because they practice all the time there. So they know where not to go or, you know, like where to catch your um, opponent off balance or whatever. So it's crazy because at that, at that time that like nobody really cared about basketball and, you know, like I was saying earlier, like on top of that, they're playing in some conference. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad basketball came over this year because, like, I love the sport so much, and it, just to think if it didn't grow and everybody's still playing in some like some like Chuck Taylors, bro, <laughs> and it, it's just a beautiful game now. How it's exploded since the Michael Jordan son. Yeah, I mean, the, the growth between what Colin said from when Jordan was drafted to the Dream Team was amazing. But the NBA still continues to transcend because how baseball used to be America's pastime, oh, I guess it still is, but the NFL is definitely American sport now. Um, basketball, I want to say up until about like three or four years ago, basketball really shot up to like the forefront and continues to do so on a um, global level now, it's not even just national. So I would even say the growth, like MJ, MJ definitely started the growth, but the growth is so exponential now that everybody has to give props to MJ for what he did. I mean, against who he did it against because without any of it, basketball would not be what it is now. And it's just amazing how um, international the game is. Um, and majority of the international players are almost a forefront in the NBA too, which is insane with Giannis and Porzingis and Doncic and dudes like that. Um, you really only had Dirk back then. Um, and little speckles of guys here and there like Monty and Tony Parker. But it's just amazing what the, what the sport's become. Yeah. And what are what some, what, what some of your guys' favorite like, parts of the whole documentary? For me, I think I'd have to go. I'd have to go probably with um, there. There's a few, and I think the first one for me was just Jordan talking trash during practice to. Uh, I I don't think it was Bush Judd Bushler. It was uh, I, I forget his name. Uh, that small forward, um, the light skinned dude. I cannot remember his name. For the love of God, no, not Ron Harper. Um, I he I think he was twenty four, number twenty four. I just can't remember his name for some reason. But him talk, uh, MJ talking trash to him in practice, and um, and this is another one. The Kerr fight in practice, to like that kind of cemented to me, like you were saying earlier, like him being the originator of the Mamba mentality, but. It, for me, it kind of cemented in my mind. I already thought he was the GOAT, and he still is the GOAT to me, just because um, for him to be that first kind of person in the league to push himself and want it so bad that he had to go you know, to these lengths to get the best of those around him. And I know it's not the most productive or the, you know, the nicest way to go about it, but um especially with that Steve Kerr brush up that happened in practice like 
if MJ doesn't fuck with you, he's not going to pass the ball to you. Like if he knows you're not going to be there and ride out into battle with him, he has no trust in you and you won't get the ball from him. So for guys to be able to show that mental fortitude and um, be able to go out there and compliment him in a way that helps the team win. Um, I think MJ doing stuff like that to draw out that energy in guys who knew they weren't uh, stars, who knew they weren't like Dennis Rodman or Scottie Pippen, and to get the best out of them day in and day out to go about getting six championships, that was, for me, crown moment of the docuseries, probably. Besides the BJ Armstrong part two, that was that was great. <laughs> yeah, so I I my I think my favorite parts of the docu series, I mean like I really love uh hearing you know the MJ story, so I one was the um I think probably my my favorite uh filmography part of the whole docuseries was the whole Nike branding and him coming into the Nike brand and like how just the, the flashbacks and the nostalgia of like the 90s and the beginning of like kicks nowadays and like the, that culture, man, that was so dope to me. I, I loved that part. Um, but also, man, I just because like growing up, if, if you knew me when I was a kid, uh, I dyed my hair. There's two reasons why I dyed my hair when I was a little kid. I was kind of just like a little weird kid. Um, one was my, uh, my Uncle Charlie. He was, he was kind of weirdo like that. He always dyed his hair. And Dennis Rodman. I loved how... <laughs> bro, I, I loved how eccentric Dennis Rodman was, man. This dude, he was just himself. And I've always admired that. And that's how I was when I was a kid. I was, and I'm still that way. I, I'm pretty sure you remember me, Trey, in high school. I'd, I'd wear the most weird fit to school. Like, my Seahawks here, man. I'd have, like, a leather helmet, some beads, some high soccer... Yeah. <laughs> I go I go to my sister AU soccer soccer games with my face painted. Bro, I I've probably been that like that that picture. And I I I love Dennis Rodman. This dude used to do whatever he wanted as long as like he was he show up and he'd do his thing. This man has the most crazy stamina and conditioning in the world just to be able to like go from drunk like more drunk than anybody in the world could probably know to like full-blown outrunning and practice type of thing yeah man uh no i hear you because and it's funny that you even said it because the, the things that stood out to me most first and foremost was the the videography of the whole production uh you guys know me as a big videography dude and i just really appreciated the way that they did everything. I, I, I love that they kept it uh, old school, especially with the hip hop. Um, a lot of the different uh, angles and shots that they that they had, obviously they were shooting it from back then and it's old footage, but just the way that they decided to present it as well, um, just had so much nostalgia attached to it and it wasn't anything new age. They, they did it exactly the way I assumed the Michael Jordan documentary would go and it surpassed my expectations. Uh, but the thing that stands out to me the most, I love, finally love that Scottie Pippen finally got his credit the way he's always needed his credit because yeah. people have always said Jordan has always done it by himself. And again, Jordan is the GOAT. Jordan has done it the best. 
Uh, he was the first transgender. And he definitely had a great team. But the things that he did, he just did them so amazingly, which is why uh, he's heralded the way that he is today. But Scottie Pippen was so filthy, and they they finally showed it. Like I'm just I'm just so happy about it because I used to always try to talk to people about how good um, Scottie Pippen was, or my stepdad was a main reason I really knew much about Jordan when I was younger. And the reason I'm as competitive as I am is because he used to force me to watch Jordan stuff all the time. And I kind of just grew into that, that mentality as well. But he never let me forget that Scotty Pippen was his right-hand man through and through. Uh, and I'm just glad he finally got his praise. But, yeah, Dennis yeah. Rodman, I, I love watching that. And so much to the point where I had to watch the 30 for 30 again. Uh, <laughs> just to really get the full the full story again after that episode because I feel like um, that man went through it all and there's bits and pieces of his life that I feel like everybody can relate to and I just I just feel like I related to the man a lot so they, they just did a very well job with the documentary yeah I think the one thing that uh, Colin was saying about how Michael was the first to do it and he's still the go-to. And, like, you guys have your aspect on, or your, your your point of view on, like, don't talk and whatnot. And you guys yeah. know my uh, – I'm, I'm all LeBron, man. Like, I, I love I love his his uh, his mentality, Jordan's mentality. I love it, man. Like, I mean, I would – I'd love to play with LeBron, too, just because, like, he, he's going to force you – or he's going to put pressure on you, too, to do those things. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I – Personally, I, I, I could correlate with Jordan so much as far as the mentality goes because when something's not right in, on, on a team-wise, I'm, I'm the type of person that is either I'm going to uh, – we're going to hold you accountable and maybe cut you out. And that's just how, like, growing up, that's how I was, that's how I was forced to play, uh, being my family. But the thing is, is, like, with Jordan and, like, the way he pushed people – is it, it wouldn't fly nowadays, and that's the thing is like I really do like respect it and I like it a lot. But like you think about nowadays and like the people that are in the league and like who's playing with LeBron and stuff. If LeBron like if LeBron had that same like I'm gonna punch you in the face mentality uh, at practice as Michael Jordan, he would never get anybody to play with him. Because you think about like all these these cats doing like free agency. And and people trying like teams trying to bring on like role players for like LeBron and stuff or like a second superstar, you know, keep it 100. Like it was hard. It's hard for somebody to get uh, or them to get LeBron somebody just because like the uh, the expectations. Like there's there's people that were like well known for like saying like they don't want to come play with LeBron just because like what comes with it. And yeah. It's it's weird to see like the different mentalities because like I I absolutely love that Mamba mentality but I don't think uh, players and cats nowadays have that same okay let's let's fight down and like let's let's, let's get this fight in and let's get back to ball yeah because yeah. foundationally nowadays you're, all of that is considered toxic masculinity whereas back then when we were younger. It, it was it was about 
shaping and it was about character. The minute you saw any kind of fear in a man's eyes, you knew you could you could get at him, especially in sports. And that's why Jordan was the way he was, because if guys aren't listening and they're not reacting and understanding to what he's saying, and they're just going to continue to do what they're going to do, Jordan's going to help them out because the, the other team has the exact same mentality, and they're going to pick that dude. They're going to pick on that guy the whole game. They're going to let him know it, it, it doesn't have to be nothing personal, but it, it, that's what it literally comes down to. Uh, whereas today's day and age, it's just seen as toxic masculinity. And I feel like that's, that's always just been like a sports thing to do. Because I mean, still to this day, I'm the exact same way. Depending on who I'm hooping with, like when we go hoop with the people we hoop with, I'm not as serious because it's not as serious of runs that I'm used to running in. But those other runs that I run in, it, it is that serious. But in those runs, we all have that same mentality because why are you on the court if you're not going to put out the same level of effort that the rest of us are putting out and also expecting? Because yeah. we all come at same the same place. But nowadays, it's just different foundationally. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like um, like you're saying, some runs are more serious than others. And that's like when we go to like 24 or um, LA Fitness. I I definitely don't have that. I don't have, like there's some guys that on talent-wise, I'm on the same level as them. Keep it a butt. There's a lot of dudes in there that have a lot more talent. They've played AAU. They play high school ball. Some play college ball. I, I don't necessarily have all that talent to like run with those guys all the time. Yeah. But like running with you guys, uh, that's never gonna stop me. I'll never stop just because I feel like somebody has more talent than me. Just because like I always want to have more heart. I always like keep on like pushing myself and pulling something out of me. And if you got somewhere you're gonna beat me, like dude, I've I've, I've been on ball defense with, with somebody that's just way more explosive than me. So that's never going to stop me yeah. from beating you up and trying to find a way to better myself so I can stop you. And I like to, I, whether I have to put a hand on your hip when you're trying to come around me, or I got to give you a little bit of cushion so you can take a shot and I can, I can try to defend the shot a little bit better than I can find the drive. It doesn't matter. I'm always going like, to try to push myself. And I love, I love being pushed, especially in sports. Yeah, my dad, my dad would have me and, and Siobhan, I remember this when we were a little, when I was really young, my dad would have me and Siobhan up at Sahali, and he would run us on that track until, like, we'd cry. And he would push us so hard. I'd be sitting there crying, running around this track, and he would always push me until I got to a certain limit of laps. And it didn't matter how bad I was hurt, he would always push me to finish. I'd be in tears, anything, man. playing with uh, that, that I am used to playing with, 
uh, when it used to do that. That's how competitive it used to be. Dudes would get mad if you're trying to dap someone up for a good layup. They're like, no, nah, man, don't dap them up. Play better defense. Like, <laughs> they're going to get on you for it. And I just love the competitive nature. And I will always love being competitive because I am competitive in everything that I do. But I do love pushing and picking people up along the way. I'm not just out here drilling people and leaving it at that. But when I feel like there's a gap to be filled and that's the solution, then I'm going to choose that more times than not. Yeah, I mean, um, nowadays you just have a lot of guys like, uh, and, I, and I hate to take shots at him, but you have guys like Carl Anthony Towns, you know, sensitive, soft dudes. I mean, that's not that it's a bad thing. I mean, I don't think it's a good thing, but it's yeah. not a bad thing either. But um, it's just a different era, yeah. And... Um, guys, they just don't have that edge anymore. Like, uh, going back to Jordan, his competitiveness, like, uh, I think it was like episode four or five, um, when they were showing in that wizard series in like what 91, he just made something up about, uh, one of the dudes who was guarding him, you know, he dropped like 35 on or 37 on MJ and MJ is like telling people, he's like, Oh, yep. This dude, um, he said, good game, MJ, after the game. And he said that that's what really drove the fire for him. And he's like, oh, yep, I'm going to I'm gonna go score 37 by halftime next game. And he shreds this guy for, like, 49 points. And then after the game, he's like, oh, yeah, well, he actually really didn't even say anything to me. I just made this shit up um, just to get the edge. And guys just aren't like that anymore. They're just... Um, I don't know. They're they're quick to rely on the uh, stuff that they've been learning from AAU and stuff like that. All the skills that they've honed over the years. So it's just it's not like it how it was back in the day. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that honestly the the NBA has changed it too. So like a lot of people want to throw blame on certain players um, throughout the years, but like honestly, if you, if you want to take a look at it, you see it in the NFL and you see it in the NBA too. Uh, the leagues have just kind of called uh, their their penalties and their fouls a lot more sticky tack than they did back then. I mean, yeah, you'd still get uh, like teed up or you'd get a foul, but they're 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 much quicker to like quicker to tee you up for nothing and then quicker to throw you out of the game so fast nowadays. And I think that's had had a lot to deal with like as far as like the mentality and how soft the game softer the game. Or more finesse, I guess you could say, the game is played nowadays. Oh, yeah, but for sure. Know, like, imagine like imagine some of the dudes nowadays going up against the bad boy Pistons. Like, MJ had to literally add weight onto his body to be able to withstand some of the hits that these dudes were uh, dishing out. Like, he got bigger and stronger to combat these like fouls that would now easily be flagrant one and two, throw them out the game on the first one. But they were getting called as either no calls or just regular ass fouls. Yeah, well, that, that's the yeah. thing. You see, you still see certain players that, and I think we're heading toward a good, a good like balance with like Giannis and like. Some of the other young stars that are just like very, you know, Kobe's past and Kobe, like once Kobe retired, you know, you start handing out um, 
uh, like challenges to certain players and stuff. And you'll see like Jason Tatum, and all these dudes that looked up to Kobe so much. And they, you'll, you're, I, you're gonna see him like a good bounce. It's still gonna be a little bit more finesse, but as far as like, like how Lakers and Bucks games were this last year, and how competitive it is, and like. They they allow them dudes to like actually body up and and drive to the hoop and stuff. So that was, that was it was nice to see. Okay. But actually, Butler is one of those those dudes that have that like grit and that like Jordan toughness to them. And you see him like kind of bounce around from a couple of teams and have trouble. And people are saying that he's like a locker room issue and stuff. So that that's basically okay for. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That's basically what that equates to, like, nowadays, if you're looking at <clears throat> somebody with that that, men, that Jordan and uh, Mama mentality on a team. Does you folks like to call out his teammates on practice and not, not give a damn about anybody else on the team as long as it's making the team better? Yeah. Yeah, no, I... I attribute so personally, I feel like I have the answer for this is that I attribute all the finesse and everything obviously to the international game. The way that Europe played basketball um, is globally liked by everyone else. And as I stated earlier, the NBA shot its way up from playing behind um, an indoor soccer league or a uh, Bulls game to play behind an indoor soccer league. Uh, even eclipsing the NFL a couple of years ago, but now they they have a game and they have a design very similar to soccer, but the the instant gratification is there much more with how often they can score. So now when you have the NBA and the global scale of the game, the NBA is now the true and only other sport that can compete with soccer on a global level, and they're trying to grow to that point. So your game, as soft as soccer is when you watch it and how finesse all of those guys are, you kind of have to try to match all of that as well to draw in the crowd to want to play your type of game. Because the, the reason why American football did not blow up the way that people thought it would blow up is because it was too violent. And at the same time, the NFL is doing the same thing by trying to soften up their game, turn it much more into a passing game or like a seven-on-seven type of league they're trying to get rid of the running back altogether because that's where a lot of the injuries and battery and stuff comes from. So I feel like the NBA really, truly is just trying to finesse their game for the global aspect of the game because they want to be a true contender with soccer globally, and they want to be the number one sport uh, within the next decade to 20 years is what I see happening. Um I think just that old school tough grit basketball. And again, the, the the bad boys Pistons, they were doing what they were doing because they could get away with it because of the way the system was. Obviously, you can't do that nowadays. Dudes would get double teed up in 2.5 seconds and <laughs> never heard of again. <laughs> and it would just be a wrap. But I'm sure nowadays if people could get away with that stuff, maybe they would. But at the same time, they're trying to help grow the game to the level two. And I think it's just a joint effort between the NBA as a whole and its players. Shit, I mean, they called Bill and Beer the Boston Strangler for a reason. That man was out here <laughs> choke slamming people in midair. <laughs> Shit was ridiculous. But yeah. <laughs> so, 
all the tough stuff is just America culturally, but that's not going to fly worldly <laughs> or globally. So they got to clean it up. Yeah. Uh, but still appease our, our fans as well. Um, on the Euro note, though, I do want to talk about one uh, big last thing that um, stood out to me about the Jordan Doc. One, I don't like him per- as a person, but I, you know, I think he's up there on the Mount Rushmore of GMs, Jerry Krause, and um, what he did. I think he really, he was the engineer of two, three peat teams. Um, he helped build a franchise around Michael Jordan. And he made the home run pick in Michael Jordan, of course. Like, um, you cannot deny this man was the architect of a dynasty. And even, even you know, for how good the Bulls teams were, especially during the um, Dream Team season, you know, he went out and he got himself the first, like, kind of big Euro guy uh, in Tony Kukoc, who was really good for... Um, was he Croatian or Czech? I think Croatian, Croatian, right? Croatian or Czechoslovakian? I'm pretty sure he was Croatian. I can't Croatian. I'm I think pr- it was either Czech or Latvia. No, I'm pretty sure he's Croatian. I, I'm going to go with Croatian. But, you know, to get out there while your team is um, definitely winning championships, to get out in Europe and go watch these games and scout and do all this and – engineer trades and make big signings, get you a Dennis Rodman, um, you know, and even though they lost Horace Grant the first go-around, they came back and uh, made the team stronger the second time, you know. It's definitely a credence to him. Like, MJ, obviously, I'm going to forever say he's the GOAT, but like you guys were saying, he couldn't have done it without Scotty. MJ is not MJ without Scotty. MJ is not MJ without... um, Kraus, MJ is not MJ without Rodman. MJ is not MJ without, frankly, Steve Kerr, John Paxson. Like, there are so many little things that are a part of that roster that Jerry Kraus, you know, had his hands on. Uh, Luke Longley bringing in Kerr, stuff like that. And so for him to get the recognition he deserves, I think, was a big thing that I appreciated from this documentary. And, um, Again, it highlighted how, on a personal level, like, you know, he almost traded Scottie Pippen for Tracy McGrady on draft day, um, but MJ nixed it. So he he was a bit of an egoist, and he wanted the spotlight on him because he felt like he was the great engineer of this luxury cruise ship, and he wanted to be known for that. But um, obviously, it goes both ways, like, even though MJ is not MJ without him, he's not him without MJ or, you know, all the other dudes on the roster. Yeah. I, I, I think this is one thing like I've, I've talked to both of you guys about, and I'm just cause like, I don't, like I said this all the time, I don't have that nostalgia. Jordan, my, my superhero, like, honestly, you look at Reggie, Reggie Miller, he called Jordan black Jesus. And honestly, to a lot of people, grew up in that time and watching Jordan, that's exactly who Jordan was. And, and like, so, I mean, yeah, he did get some criticism, but to a lot of people, Jordan could do no wrong. And even to this day, Jordan still can't do no wrong. Um, but going back to that, I, I think, I don't know, I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of, like, 
Yes, Crouch. He he. I feel like they victim or they um villainized him a lot, <clears throat> and a lot of people took to that because I start seeing you start seeing um memes and stuff, and I feel like a lot of people had lived after after those. But honestly, I it's like I was reading a, a Clinton Dunbar article earlier, and his his lawyer said this really good thing that applies to this too. It, it doesn't matter how thin the pancake is. There's, there's still two sides to it. And to me, I feel like he just wants some recognition for what he was doing. And I don't believe that he he necessarily deserved. I mean, because you look at like even the early, early days of like the Bulls with are like Pimpin and, and Jordan together. Even those early days, they, they straight up picked on this dude. They, they straight up picked up on him and like, you are a GM. Yeah, I mean, it's your job to run this 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 franchise, and you got you got two of your players like constantly like on your head to the point where like even during like champion celebrations they would they would dog this man out. So like I get like yeah he's a little egotistic, but on the, on the other side of it he's like I don't feel like he he got the recognition that he did or he needed to at the time just because you had you had two other people that were very egotistic too but butt heads with you and they're 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 a lot larger more athletic and they i feel like he was just an easy target to pick on I, as far as like statue wise and joke wise yeah well i have a few things to say to that because again you have to remember what time it was I want you to think back. So when we were kids in elementary in the 90s, I want you to think back all the yeah. insults and things that we used to Because whether it was fatso, whether it was whatever, stuff that does, does not fly in today's day and age, it was said, and bullies were very prominent in the 90s. That's, that's how it was. I'm not saying that it was okay. I'm saying that at this time, that, that's just the way the world, I'm not going to say the world, but that's the way that America was, or at least that's the way that it was being portrayed and people were taking it for what it was. Because I remember so many bullies in my hood and just the different, especially in Greystone and different areas I lived. That's just how it was. There was always a bigger kid on the block. They were trying to prove their point. Um, and if you're usually the bigger, faster, stronger kid, you're usually that guy to whoever else is smaller than you. And again, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not standing up for it. I'm just saying that's what it was. But Krause, being the uh, MLB dude that he was, the money ball kind of guy, the more analytical guy of the 90s to be able to finesse all this and make it happen, he definitely does not receive enough enough praise for all that he did um, because he did a lot, as Colin pointed out, so I'm not going to go too deep into that. But one thing I do want to say to you is when you said uh, Jordan is Jordan, Jordan can't do no wrong. Uh, for myself personally, that's not true, and I know largely in a in a great portion of black community in general. Before I was myself being black, is that Michael Jordan never used to look out <laughs> for black people, really at all. Um, you would always hear the stories of his, his shoe prices being far too high, and he does not care because people over here fighting, killing themselves over it, which I don't 100% blame him for. But there are other ways he could have went about doing it. But again, Jordan with his egotistical self and his mentality saying if people want to kill themselves over shoes, let them do it. 
then I don't necessarily respect that man. But over the last, I want to say at least, again, like three, four, five years, he's been trying to clean up his reputation. Um, and he, he's donated to several causes. And he's, he's done a lot of more groundwork that you would expect someone of that ability and stature and, uh, I guess, socioeconomic success to, to bring forth to the rest of the world, especially the black culture. Um, I want to give him his props now for trying to finally have a shift in his life and trying to do a little more better for the black community in general. But, again, like you said, what Legend Miller said about him, he was Black Jesus, and he ran with it. And ever since, that's just who Jordan was. But uh, Jordan has done a lot a lot wrong behind the scenes in the past, but he, he's trying better now. So I want to give the man his props. Yeah, two yeah, quick I, things I, on that. Um with what Trey was saying, one, yes, Jordan did do wrong by me when he unretired himself and played for the Wizards. That is the number one wrong he did for his career. Um, second of all, yeah, I really agree that he, um, he kind of flubbed that one with uh, his community. He, he really, what he did there kind of reminded me of how O.J. Simpson acted towards the black community. And famously quoted yeah. saying, I'm not black, I'm OJ. And um, I don't think MJ was necessarily trying to be, you know, fall in with uh, Caucasian people like OJ was. And he didn't want to be white like OJ yeah. wanted to be white. But, like, MJ was kind of, I think he was trying to act really bipartisan and be like, yeah, well, I'm not with y'all, but I'm not against y'all. So I guess that's his whole yeah. stance on that, being a poor kid from... North Carolina trying to help his family out, get as much bread as you can or whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, um, with somebody whose stature, like you were saying, is as big as that, I feel like you should try to be the next Muhammad Ali, not the next OJ Simpson. Exactly. But I, I try to have, I try to show MJ grace because. And especially back to him, just like you said, he was a poor kid out in North Carolina, and he was trying to provide for his family. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what it was for, for black culture for a long time. Uh, it was a very big uh, crab-in-a-barrel mentality that when one person tries to come out, the hood want to bring him back down, um, even when he does become successful. And sometimes I don't want to blame him for that because, again, at that time, a lot of that was going on, and we were, we were losing who we were from what we used to be after Martin Luther King spoke and all that and how, how close our um, our culture was to what it's grown to now. But just the ability of majority of minorities uh, that they have nowadays, that's why I really love LeBron for who he is off the court. I mean, on the court too, but off the court, he is light years ahead of MJ, and MJ can learn so much. And MJ still, for whatever reason, did not give props to LeBron. LeBron loves that man. Uh, LeBron really does love MJ. He tries to show him love, but MJ don't ever really show it back. But LeBron has now done it the way that our community loves, appreciates, and expects him to do so because you have to give back uh, because so many uh, black people are still struggling and trying to get it all figured out. Um, but I, I just know MJ has been trying to clean himself up, and I hope he can get around to getting things figured out a little bit better. Yeah, I, I want to touch on this just because, like, if you know me, then 
this is this is probably the, one of the biggest topics of the whole me not liking MJ. Yeah. And right on the court, uh, second best to ever do it. But <laughs> the the fact that he couldn't give back to the culture, it it, it really rubs me so wrong, man. You think about like the '90s. You think about everything that was going on during that time, and like the kind of uh, culture that he he helped build as far as killing killing dudes for kicks. Uh, you had the the murder rate in the '90s was was crazy. You had the the crack epidemic, um, uh, a whole bunch of drugs, murders, gangs. Um, it, it was it was a crazy time, and. And you even like you can even look back to like when like Shaq put out shoes, man. Shaq put out his own shoes, and Shaq even tried to to curb that that culture uh, of of kids being and dudes getting killed over kicks. Um, yeah. MJ, he, I, yeah, he and like I, I I like that he's he's he started to um, donate to certain foundations, and I give him credit for doing that. But also, it it, it was. To me, that didn't start happening until his his image started to get hit uh, a few years ago, about three or four years ago. And and you look at why it was getting hit is because all these people like me, people that love LeBron and see what LeBron's doing for the culture and how he's done nothing but have a clean slate. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. He's a good dad. He's a good uh, teammate. And he donates and he donates and he, he built schools. And he's just been the absolute like picture perfect guy yeah. for like, for the culture. You look at at Jordan. He, he like he's invested in his shoes, his tequila. I think he has his own line of cigars, and he's also put up a, a ton of money. He's invested so much money in jails as well. And that was the thing that got me too. Yeah, is man. I found out that he was investing in jails. It's like not only I mean you look at the documentary and he. He didn't, he didn't, uh, like, I get, like, why he didn't do it, but he still, like, supported the, uh, that senator, and I forgot which uh, state he was running up, but he, he still, like, Carolina, but he didn't, like, if he would have came out and, like, and, like, supported that guy, there's no doubt he would have won, but thing is, is, like, the, the whole jail thing, that's, that's where, like, it kills me, because, like, I've had families in and out of jail, I've had, you know, i my family has its troubles just as long as like everybody else's family, but being that this culture is it's a systematic chilling of like lower income and and colored people, and being in in my family, it, I it's it's it gets me fired up that somebody that came from uh, a lower income, a black family, that's made his way up would invest in the system that is oppressing us, and. That's where I I I don't have like that black Jesus feeling for for uh, Jordan. I don't get I don't have any nostalgia for him, and I'm and I I guess I'm lucky as I can look at that and like have like as far as like a clear mind about that. Yeah, and I mean that that does mean a lot coming from you, obviously. I mean, and for the people listening, I mean I've known Dion since second grade. He's my brother through and through. And if you don't know, he is Native American which um, also uh, we, we have these conversations pretty often. And we don't have, like, what was me type conversations where, um, where, where 
specifically just talking about how minorities are just so down and we don't have a chance and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what any of this is about. We're totally just speaking on when you're in the position of power and you have the ability to give back, you should always give back. And even when you don't have that ability, ability, you should just be that type of person in general. Because um, especially with the presence of social media nowadays, uh, people with high pay, people with fame, you're viewed under a microscope. So, so tough. And to the common person nowadays, we all want to throw them to the wolves out of jealousy and out of just the extreme disproportion of the socioeconomic gaps across the nation. Um, that's just what it comes down to because there's the haves and the have-nots and the gaps continue to grow. So all we're, all we're saying is, for anybody listening, if you ever do have, if you ever do hit it big, if you ever do have a voice, um, if you ever do find yourself in a position uh, greater than what you would say the average Joe is in, just do your best to give back to where you're from, to your people, and just the people in general, and just leave, leave that positive life, man. That's all we could ask for. So yeah. look to LeBron as an example. I guess on the basketball court, you can look to either MJ or LeBron as an example. <laughs> but oh, yeah. be good. Yeah. Just be great. Yeah. For sure. Uh, if if you can, you know, and you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be on that scale. Like, even for us, if you can be that difference, be that difference would be my message. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, back. That's like me and me and Trey. Um, it, it, every now and then, we'll, we'll still do something like this, but, like, uh, we, we plant trees for our community. Um, not, not even trying to, like, self-praise or anything, but, like, even, like, the smallest things, like, during Christmas time, if there's a, a gift center going to give, um, pick up some gifts for kids that are not fortunate, that type of stuff. I mean, yeah, that and you can. So, but anyway, the 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 doc was cool. I love the doc. MJ on the court was phenomenal. Still the greatest. Other than Allen Iverson in my book. <laughs> and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed myself with the whole 10-part docu-series. What other 10-part uh, docu-series would you guys want to see? Or, like, What was the next big story to, uh, of this magnitude would you guys want to, to watch? First and foremost, Kobe. Kobe? Yeah, they, they already said that they had um, cameras following, uh, was it 2004? Uh, Lakers, kind of like they did with um, the Bulls. So um, I'd, I'd, I'd hope that they'd put something out like that. And that's, that's personally what I'd want to see. Man, that would be dope. I want, yeah, I'd want, I'd yeah. want uh, a Lakers, probably Kobe Shaq first three-peat doc, 10-part docuseries. Or now that Tom is out of New England, I'd like to see a... And we probably won't get one because Bill Belichick is such a tight-lipped, you know, door-closed asshole. Yeah. But I love to see a New England 10-part docuseries like this. Yo, it, it, Tom could even have his personal chair. You think he's getting a camera in there? <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> no, that, that would have been dope, for real. Um, but no, I think, I think those would be the best ones, honestly. And then eventually, eventually maybe like the Heatles, but it's just not that I just, in my opinion, it's the same magnitude. 
But every time I watch one of them highlights, man, or just one of their games, the world really did not appreciate LeBron on the Heat as much as we should have. <laughs> I, they were just hating in the air with him leaving and jerseys being burnt and just everything. But every I time think, I look, uh, go ahead. I was just saying every time I look back, it's just nothing but greatness, and I'm just like, man, why did we let this blow by so fast? Yeah, I I think uh, I I feel you on that, but. Like you said, it it wasn't to the same magnitude. Honestly, I I love LeBron and I love the Heatles. It was it was an amazing time to like watch those dudes play. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it this is where you know your a lot of people go conversation comes into play. It's like that overall that team compared to like the Bulls and the Lakers, they just didn't have the the same accolades that the other teams did. And it it it'd be fun to watch it. It'd be fun to watch highlights of it in the same format that, you know, or not not necessarily the same format, but in a format that a production team could do. But the accolades, it just wouldn't mean the same because they didn't win as many championships or even that place went there, I guess. Well, uh, maybe like a, the perception of a super team docu, docu-series. I would watch something like that. Um what was considered a super team during certain times. And, again, uh, I, I love the Heatles, man. I really did. Um, and, yeah, they were considered one of them. They weren't the first. But I just like over generations, who considered who a super team. And uh, I think that would be kind of a cool little docuseries to get into. Yeah. Because they tap it off with the Warriors and everything that they did that every team before them tried and didn't accomplish, but the Warriors figured it out and made it happen. Yeah, I mean, that, that they did a really good job of building and adding and just creating a, to me, creating probably, the, to me, it's the best team overall, all time. Like, I love I love watching these Bulls. They got MJ, but the, the scoring aspect of, Everybody from one to five, and even the bench on that that Golden State team. That's that'd be a good docu series to watch too. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I'm not gonna sit here and lie. Warriors will kill the '96 Bulls. I I don't know about kill, play. but I I think it's just two different I, two different styles of play. Because once yeah. one I, I, style, I, you get I, I, one I, more point per every shot. The other, the other style is all about grit and grind and defense. Yeah, and that's what, that's one thing is too is um, you always hear about old dudes like oh no they couldn't come back and, and play in this time, but I always I always try to look at it vice versa too. Like you you have the option of like fully putting your hands on some kid or some dude, and and that's how you play defense. Could you come? the future and keep your hands off somebody and still defend a Steph Curry? All right. That, that's, that's a good, I think, a, a good way to look at it. Like, these teams matched up, but how would they be rough, too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if, uh, like, 2K or somebody was able to come up. Like, if, if they had it, um, I don't know if they do already or not, but if they had, like, um, a game mode where you can do like 90s rules, 2000s rules, 2010s rules type of thing, 
and they do like a three-game series. They do a, a game in the 90s, they do a game in the 2010s, and then they just meet in the middle of what the 2000s basketball era was like, and <laughs> that really be like the decide. <laughs> Obviously, we can only run simulations. We can't see the real thing. But like, yeah. Basketball it always comes down to matchups. Nobody's about to guard Steph Curry. I feel like KD and Jordan would be going at it. <laughs> um, trying to think. Uh, Rodman but, would um, strap up Draymond for one. Oh, oh yes, that Draymond in my eyes. Scotty, Scotty would probably be on KD too, and then MJ would probably be on Steph. I think. I think they'd make I think they'd make MJ guard Steph and then have Harper guard Clay because people forget Ron Harper was like six five or like six four. He was a hella tall point guard. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's the, that's the thing is like <laughs> it, it's so fun to talk about these things, but I feel like when it comes down to like goats and like best teams of all time, like you can definitely simulate a a roster lineup, but like. Those things, uh, more so go talk, is, has to be, like, generational. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just what it comes down to. It's all generational. Yeah. That's why I really appreciate this, this documentary, because, like, watching MJ and watching his, like, him practice and or watching him during a game and, like, one of his teammates just didn't do something, he's sitting there, like, cussing under his breath. So <laughs> it has me crying, and it makes me want to get out in the court so bad and just, like, <laughs> yeah, well, I I can't wait till indoor courts open back up. Yeah, like I love outdoor courts, but it's not the same. I always feel like I'm about to slip or hurt myself. Hey, we got some pretty uh, we got some pretty good runs in yesterday. That was that was okay. Yeah. That court that court's yeah, actually that, good. That good. Yeah, that court's actually good. We were hooping out by um. I think the uh, what is it that center down in Kent? Oh yeah, with the train going by. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, we got some runs in yesterday. That was really good. Minus you know Donnie being Donnie yesterday, but <laughs> <laughs> I swear you you can throw this man an assist on a diamond platter, and he will somehow find a way to fumble this ball, drop it, or throw it over the backboard. <laughs> You hear that, Donnie? Get him. <laughs> be killing me, bro. <laughs> nah, that, I, and that's the thing is, like, with that outdoor court, like, you don't get the best grip on your shoes, so I always feel like I'm about to, like, have my feet fly from under me. And on top of that, we, we played on the side that has a double rim, and you really have to, like, key in on your shots if you're going to hit double rim shots. That's where champions are made. <laughs> double rims, too. man. I love hooping outside because that's always been, obviously that's what we grew up on. The indoor court became a luxury, and I've never been a man of luxury really ever. But I just, I, I love when I was a kid, them summer days, when you're playing 21 outside on a double rim, and you really, literally be playing a five-hour basketball game. <laughs> and, like, it even comes down to the point where dudes like ain't even trying to play no more, but you're still trying to score and you're just not scoring. <laughs> and then people <laughs> would just be in and out of the game. But that was just that was just the love of the game, just in general back then, and just playing outside, not yeah. staying in the house. Um, uh, I miss it, man. But I definitely want to get back indoors. 
as we get older and our knees get a little weaker. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, a, honestly, that's you know, like, but I'm coming up on thirty really quick, man. That, that <laughs> concrete floor had my back hurting a little bit. <laughs> yeah, man, you, <laughs> uh, you want to add some extra time onto that twenty-one game? You throw some tips on that, and oof, uh, yeah, you, that'll. <laughs> that game won't be over till the next day. That's like a little bit. That's like playing Monopoly. And the stuff on the double rim. That's too much. <laughs> Man. Oh, all right, guys. What are you guys going to be up to uh, for the rest of your day here? Man, just getting back to this. We made a big old list of stuff to do around the house. Um, we've just been doing little projects here and there, so... But we've really been getting stuff done, and we've been spending a lot of family time, so just get right back to that and just stay on my run. That's about it. And uh, uh, chill with these dogs. Wait for the lady to get home. She's she's on, like, a 11-hour shift. She's on double, so. Okay. Yeah, but 12-hour. Was it 12? No, 13. She's on 13-hour shift. She got – she started at 10. Home at 11. <laughs> She's got yeah. a three working hours. <laughs> yeah. Just do that. I'm going to lift some weight to finish this Avatar series. <laughs> yeah. That is one thing, though. I love I, when I go for runs, I take my big dogs uh, for people listening. I have I have two Belgian Malinois and I also have a Yorkie. Yorkie, I don't take my runs because he's getting a little older. His name's Sosa. But uh, Iris and Rocco. They they live for the run, and they be bringing me their leash and everything. They they were just ready to get after it. So uh, they motivate me because anytime I start to slow down, they're right in front of me, and I'm like, all right, man, my bad, my bad. Let me catch back up. But man, people will try to stay as active as you can indoors. Go on little walks, go on little runs, whatever it takes. Just get some fresh air. Quit breathing your own carbon dioxide all day <laughs> before you <laughs> die, and <laughs> live your life, man. Just be safe. Yeah. What about you, Colin? What you got to do? Well, um, I just ordered my uh, coilovers uh, today. So once those come, uh, I'm going to hop over to Dion's and uh, we're going to have some drink, work on those. Uh, I sent you the link, Dion, for your year. They do make them for uh, your car. So they're on sale. Um, BC coilovers. BC. Uh, sponsor us. Uh, Thursday, Thursday. I'm going over uh, to my mechanic, and we're doing that on Thursday, and then um, get that all taken care of. So then the car will be uh, all nice and pretty, and you know, ready for the next time we go on a hike. Uh, probably thinking about doing one this weekend. Probably Discovery Park. I'm thinking since that is uh, easy for all you guys listening. Moderate hikes are not fucking moderate. They are for real hikers, not <laughs> not the regular schmegular ass Joe. So we're doing a easy hike, and then uh, you know probably pour myself um, a shot of this aged tequila. It's not Jordan brand tequila, but it's Don Julio, so I have to settle for I that. And, that uh, <laughs> not hell no, nah, I'm not paying Fair. thousands of dollars for a bottle of tequila. But um, yeah, okay. probably do that. Hop on some Apex and. Uh, Get ready for uh, the next day. 
That's funny. My uh, I texted my stepdad earlier asking what he's been up to, and he was like, nothing, just working from home and and uh, drinking these different liquors I keep picking up. And I was like, oh, what'd you get? He's like, oh, I just picked up a thousand dollars worth of <laughs> worth of bottles. I was like, bro, what are you doing? He's like, man, literally nothing. I'm just at home. I can't go nowhere. <laughs> I gotta entertain myself somehow. And I was like, damn, bro, you gotta shut guy Let me get a taste or something eventually. I was gonna say, I, I don't blame him. It's, it's honestly growing up, I've seen, I mean, not my parents, because they, they bought at, at use bottles, but like growing up and seeing like Frederick's parents and some of my like my dad's friends, and they just had a, like a full at home bar. I'm like, think about that. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Like, they had like triple sex, they had their mixers, their, their shakers. That'd be so dope. I would love that. Yeah, it makes you understand man caves that much more. Like, if you could have a bar in your house with a pool table, a dartboard, your own sports memorabilia, and just have the homies over, play some cards, smoke some cigars, like, that sounds like the absolute best fucking time of the world to me. <laughs> and I eventually do want to build one of them joints myself. So, I, I get it now. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people associate, like, buying that much liquor with, like, a problem or being irresponsible. It's just like, nah, it's, 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 it's having that, that aesthetic of having, you know, you don't have to drink it at one time. You can have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, save it for, for later. Exactly. Plus a lot of it, it's just to collect, like to collect a lot of the, like, some of them, some of the really premium bottles have special toppers to them, and he kind of likes to keep them as trophies in a way. Oh, um, I know he likes... You what? I know he likes that plant with the horse top. Exactly. So, you know, search for, and if anybody drinks Blanton's or sees any different bottles of Blanton's, you know, I said that I definitely collects those, so let me know. But, uh, yeah, they have, like, little different little caps on top of different things, and it's just, it's, it's a hobby. It's like when people used to collect stamps or whatever, um, they just had a little extra grown man on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing it every single hour of the day, but when he wants to enjoy himself, he, he does it. People collect cigars, and they have... There's stuff for that, but there's just different hobbies. So if you're interested in something, man, just pursue it and don't let everybody talk you out of it. Just be responsible with that as well. All right, man. It's been real. Yeah. Get running. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, as always, guys, thanks for tuning in and listening. Um, we'll probably we'll try and get another one out this week. Um, we'll figure out what to talk about. There's not a lot of stuff to talk about right now, so we will uh, we will see. But uh, stay safe, guys. Stay sanitary, and uh, it's been real. I was a terror since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes.